privacy. Yeah, so there's a lot of things we could tackle here. I suppose there's definitely... I think we solve privacy in this podcast today. Let's do it. So I have... I'm going to bury the lead, and I have what is the best story of my experience of the last week around the law and privacy and GDPR and everything else. But first, I want to forward you to... But first, a message from our sponsor, (laughs) Squarespace.com. Foundation.mozilla, which is sort of their blog experimental side of things. Uh, I've seen this, I think, once before, but I was was looking at privacy stuff, and I was thinking about different things. Uh, If you type in Mozilla privacy or privacy not included, you have a whole page full of products that is ranked in terms of basically creepiness factor (laughs) as far as what meets their minimum standard. So you have uh, the Nintendo Switch doesn't take your data. Do I need to be on Firefox to use this website? Uh, No. Firefox is awesome. Uh, Firefox, I don't care that much about. Mozilla, I love. Okay. Uh, Amazon Kindle doesn't take your data, surprisingly. Uh, your Avona or Anova uh, sous vide cooker doesn't take your yeah. data. I do have one of those. Yeah, so I, do I. I really hope it doesn't. I hope it really doesn't tell everybody how hot <laughs> and how many times I cook a steak. Okay. It does not steal your data. So I, I've been looking at this. I thought it was just. A, it's just kind of cool, and it's probably a little kind of clickbaity and okay. stuff. But it's cool to like just look at different devices, and it really gets into like smart homes and stuff like that. It's like, how much is this actually listening in the background, or how much data is it actually aggregating? Um, I'm confused, I'm confused by these filters. As an expert in building filter systems for websites, I'm confused by these filters. See, what you don't have, though, are gradients. And this is a gradient filter. Yeah. So, okay, I, I changed it to be, like, the third like the third of it being creepy. So I'm seeing within that is Nintendo Switch, PS4, the Harry Potter Kano <laughs> coding kit, um, Philips Hue light bulbs, and Amazon Kindle. Amazon Kindle, yeah, Amazon looks at everything you do so i think the best thing to do is just to click on one and it gives you a little better Mm -hmm. uh ingrained can it spy on me camera no app no microphone no that's good sounding great so far location no they actually i thought it does look at your location like i'm looking at phillips hue because it looks at your location to know if you're within the radius to turn your lights off or on i wonder if the i assume the lights don't well, I don't know. That's I mean, that's a good question because I don't know the what the app hub controls. The, the app communicates to the hub, right? And then the hub controls the lights. I was looking at the Nintendo Switch. So I'm, I'm not. So these factors are like company manages secure vulnerabilities. Company makes it easy to contact customer support. If a password is required, you must change the default password. This is okay. This is not as creepy as I. I just want a big box that says, this is why it's creepy. <laughs> like pros and cons, creepy, not creepy. I wonder, we should find the Amazon Echo and see, or like a really bad product, which by the way, as you scroll through, there's lots of sex toys. And for the most part, they're not too creepy. Really? Really? <laughs> but, well, the Wi-Fi ones, oh, the ones that are blurred. They're all I blurred see. out. <laughs> okay. All right. Come on. Amazon Echo Show. How cre- you're the worst Guys, creepy. He's, pr- he's prudes at Mozilla. The creepiness, it can spy on you. 
through device and through the app on camera, through microphone. Uh, the app can location track you. Why is the Kegel exerciser not blurred out? <laughs> Just saying. Sorry. <laughs> Lots of privacy implication. Why? Yeah, it's a whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the Wise Cam. I use those. Okay. So okay, so you were saying about the. No, I just I I think it's an interesting look at things. I, I think it's kind of cool that they're doing this. A, a team that is very web focused. Um, it, some of it, you know, it's like, does it share your, you know, sharing your information for with third parties for unexpected reasons? So like without technically, this is actually going to get into the story earlier, but like technically they tell you somewhere in the terms of service, but literally you never know. And it's written in a way that's like, we can do whatever we want. We could decide tomorrow to just like API it to the highest bidder. And you agreed to it. Oh, now I see how this works. So the creepiness factor isn't a function of the information within it. The creepiness factor is a vote, a user vote. Mm. So it says, tell us what you think, and you do creepy, not creepy, and you do how likely they are to buy, likely, not likely, then vote. Okay. So, okay, this makes more sense to me now. And it seems to be, yeah, you're right, the two things that are really being hit for like all the other ones are more technical data things like you should these are things like a definitely a modern company should be doing right automatic security updates reset the fall passwords deletes data stores on you patches has parental like, controls on, patches yeah. yeah encryption blah, blah 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 that makes sense but yeah what everybody gets into trouble is these the the privacy policy and then sharing with third party which is usually that information or your your agreement to that is is within the privacy policy right but yeah i totally agree with you and i don't think it's just tech companies that are to blame with that um for some reason recently i've been getting a lot of we've updated the terms of your credit card from a lot of my from a lot of my credit card companies and that's a major factor and they don't make it easy to opt out you can opt out but they don't make it easy you usually you can't do it there's usually not a website to do it you have to call somebody you have to wait on hold and then you have to tell them all this stuff and then they will take you off their list and there's some things you can't opt out of yeah i think the one the one is sharing your information with third parties but all the other ones there's like share you know there's other sharing things that they're doing that well that stuff happens out. with every credit card like you do that you're immediately marketed every bank out every to... financial institution every 401k everything yeah yeah and not even that just marketing stuff like you sign up for a credit card and then you start getting like you know j crew catalogs or whatever and it's just like it it you know that that stuff like you're automatically signing up for a whole third party system of selling, uh, you know, selling at like selling data. And it's crazy because the, the GDPR stuff, which is a huge can of worms and I understand is, is not well implemented yet, but was it take? And I think at its best to say, the user deserve the consumer deserves the right to know what is happening like the consumer deserves the ability to opt in and opt out of things and what that's mostly become especially from what i've seen in the us is now you have that stupid footer banner 
that's half the page long that says you have to agree to our cookies and it's one click and that's all you get. You either agree to everything or not. Um, I was just on a, a, I was, oh man, what was it? I was just on a page. I'd have to dig it up. It was somewhere on my iPad. That was a European page. Um, and the privacy has like legit settings. It has like, six different things you can decide if you're going to use it for privacy for aggregated but obscure data so like it doesn't track you it just tracks in the aggregate um like cookies backtrack like all sorts of stuff and then you actually get in and you can like search in the like footer thing what the what the trackers actually are like what the javascript snippets that are tracking you are doing like can you turn those on or off like do you have to agree to this and it should be a way to to give the user control. And I, I mean, as a developer, somebody who builds for the web, like I think about that a lot and I actually don't like on any of my websites, I don't run even Google analytics because I firmly believe that like a, the, they don't matter whether I have 10 people coming to my site or a thousand, it literally doesn't change what I use the website for. So why do I care? And if I don't care, why am I taking people's data? And like, why am I not keeping a more transparent view of just saying like, I'm, I will try to do everything in my power to not take people's data and like, and use it in ways that, I mean, I consider a little malicious if you're taking it and you're doing something the way that you shouldn't be doing, you know, but even at like the broad strokes, like if there's no need to do it, then, you know, treat customers treat visitors treat people come to your website with respect and i i feel like that's something that is slowly happening but is very very still far away that is fair but then what about big companies that which is what kind of what we're talking about these huge companies that have shareholders and have a responsibility to be data driven about their users so what is their responsibility there so I personally, like my personal take is, is a little different in that if, so there, there are some companies that probably need data and it actually helps create a better experience. Like even a big company, like I, I feel like if the more Amazon knows about me for the most part, the better the amazon.com experience will be for me because they know more of the stuff that I might buy or related products or whatever for the most part. For most companies though, it, at least the way that I look at it is I really try to start with like, what is your win condition? Like what actually moves the needle for you? And for the most part, that's sales. Like, so if the most important thing is how many of, of a widget or of X that I sell, why do I need to take third party data and like all this obscure stuff and just throw in pixels and 500 trackers? I mean, you go on pages like, like life hacker and stuff like that. And if you run anything like a uh, privacy badger or um, there's a couple others, I use privacy badger, but you'll look at it. There's like 40 plus trackers like that you can either turn on or off. But if you don't, they're all tracking you <laughs> like they're in some way. Some of them are like Google analytics and Google API and not all of them necessarily are going to be obscure, but a lot of them are, are ad beacons and stuff. I mean, yeah, it's true. I'm just looking right now and see what it blocks here. I see Google. I'm, I actually went to Lifehacker and I ran it. I'm running the log. I use uh, AdGuard for people that are interested. I like AdGuard a lot. Um, 
Google Analytics, TinyPass, whatever that is, npttechadvertising.js, Google Tag Services, Skim Links, Chartbeat, QuantServe, Facebook, Scorecard Research. Yes. Double click. A lot of stuff. Double click is ads again. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, but that is their business, though, right? They provide you free content and they, in order to advertise to you. But do you think anybody who's any ad, anybody who's selling ads on Lifehacker, and it, there's, you know, a lot of this is automated now, but let's say somebody buys a hero banner. Is anyone really confused about what, like, who needs, you know, there's, I understand wanting to know more about people, but at some point, I don't personally really believe that you're getting better data. You're just getting more stuff. And, you know, there's ways of aggregating it and hiding it. But it's like if you're, you know, the fact that you went to Lifehacker and then you also went to something on Facebook and then like another person in the house went to something else and so another like a third party person trying to sell you something can use all that data in aggregate like it's it, to me it's kind of crazy yeah i i the, when we decided to do this episode i was try, still trying to think of my position on this um i don't like that they're doing it and i don't know what they're doing especially the thing you're not actually agreeing affirmatively if you go to a website to allow them to track you um they have do not the do not track protocol that practically everybody ignores in browsers um which i feel like makes you even a bigger target you're like oh what do you have to hide maybe i'll look into your data more um same same you know fbi people go after people who use the onion router right so same, same because kind of, of idea, not because of causation, but because of correlation to say people who use yes. this, some amount of people, maybe at least one have done illegal things. Yeah. If you want to super hide your activity on the Internet, you must be doing illegal things. You might not just be a privacy focused person. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where I land because I do run an ad blocker. I usually use it more for tracking blocking. I care more about it for tracking blocking than physical specific ad blocking i run it on my ad guard i love because i could run on my computer i run on my phone um at least on android you it could run as a sort of a v runs you basically run it as a vpn and all the traffic is funneled through it before it gets to your phone so it blocks ads and ads and tracking and apps as well yeah um so i in reality a lot of the time when i do something like this it's probably to get rid of ads because especially like pop-up and obscure like not not obscure but i don't know the word i'm trying to think of like pop-up ads and in gross stuff and like stupid before you leave sign up for a newsletter stuff like that um so i have i have a theory and it's i don't think it gets a lot of traction but i think it could in that I think the reason, and this will again get into the story. <laughs> this all ties in a little bit, but I've always thought I've had this thing in the back of my mind that I think it would be awesome if tech and consumer and enterprise companies would essentially ratify 
a position that says, we believe in consumer rights. We are going to adopt these principles, these ways of doing things that make things more clear in a way so that if you say you join a service and it says, here are our terms of service. And instead of having a 40 page obscured light gray that you can't read thing, you have to scroll down. You have something much simpler that is maybe even the same way that like you can look at Creative Commons and there are certain badges that you can look at and say like, this is Creative Commons zero. This is Creative Commons non-attribute. You could have things that are like a more visual, simple way of saying this will do this. This will track data on internet usage, time logged, user profile. It will obscure and obfuscate all of that so that it's only done in, you know, say in aggregate where you're not actually ever you, you're just a number and it won't ever go say it's Amazon, like Amazon will go through to audible into Twitch, but it won't ever go to a third party or something like that. Like if you had like, why, why is that impossible to have a world where like a user can say, I agree with this and this, I don't ever want to be, I don't ever want my data going to essentially double click or some third, third party market. Because it's against, because it's against the economic forces of how the internet works right now but if people but if not every if not every company and i agree that especially with media companies where essentially there's no there is not a very good there's not a very good way of collecting enough essentially enough money like people don't pay for content in most cases so they run scripts to block it again but it's like if you're upfront and on it, like just, just give the user control and not try to be shady behind them. Why can't that be a thing? Or if you agree to it, just make it easier to where a user can say, I see this, I see this, I see this badge. I understand what those mean. Not we're burying things in 40 pages of TOS and EULA agreements. Well, I think that is what, I think you need governmental action. I think that's what, GDPR is aiming to do if everything if it changes in from this opt-out model to this everything opt-in model maybe cookies goes a little bit too far just because that's fundamental to how most websites work mm-hmm. um, and that can just be more annoying and adds like one extra click to every goddamn website in the world and most people don't um, know what cookies are so they see it and they in this this bites both ways this hurts the consumer because a not everyone really knows what a cookie is like a cookie can be i set the theme to dark mode and there has to be a cookie that tells the browser that it's this but it's also a way for lawyers and uh you know marketers and people to obscure things to say don't worry about cookies but cookies also for us means pixels and everything tracking you and your every move and that's what turns the voice on for all the smart home speakers and stuff because you agreed to cookies it's like cookies i just wanted dark mode to stay on (laughs) yeah um yeah i i think it's gonna come up come down to governmental intervention and it i like the over i like that because all these multinational corporations and big companies sort of have to comply with gdpr because 
it will will basically move over these GDPR based changes they make to their website in light of GDPR beyond Europe, just because it's easier to do it worldwide than just for Europe. So I like that that's happening. I think there's a I think there's a sort of a broader question, which is we can step back and be like. What do you think? So, what you think is accept? What do you think is acceptable under what circumstances for someone to track your information on on the on the online? I mean, it depends on the. It honestly, I think it depends on the website because if I'm you know checking some random site that is small and I don't necessarily believe, like I don't want them knowing anything about me. <laughs> Like, I don't even want right. Google ad trackers looking at stuff just because I also don't. Do you think there's a moral out? Pe- people will make this argument, and I don't know if I agree with it or not, but I am flaunt, uh, not not following it, which is, uh, do you think there's a moral obligation to allow ads and it kind of by proxy trackers to look at you if you are reading content of a website, if that's how they make money, that's sort of the bargain that we're making, which is I provide you this information and then I I provide you this information for free. You pay for it in the sense that you have tracker, that I get to see what you're doing and show you ads so I can better sell ads. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the perfect devil's advocate rebuttal. And I, I don't know 100% if I, if I have a good answer, but... I understand the qualm, especially if you're a big company or, you know, you're a Buzzfeed and you have a, you're going through strenuous layoffs constantly, but you know, you have teams of a hundred plus people and the big thing that you're doing is selling ads against the free content you're making. You're trying to drive, you know, some of, and so actually some Buzzfeed content is really good. Some of it is pure clickbait, you know, wherever the, wherever that median lies, um, Regardless, it's about throwing ads against it. Yeah. I will make the same argument I made in the newspaper episode, which is I shouldn't be forced to fit in your old business model. If people are you, ad ad blockers exist, tracking blockers exist. They're only gaining more market share. You know, they're, you know, a minority of users, but they're only gaining more market share. Not that the market share really matters, but, you know, if it becomes a big problem to your business the i think the idea is that you figure out a different way to do things because obviously the market has spoken and says they don't want ads and they don't want uh tracking so you figure out a better way to do things maybe you do do microtransactions you charge you know 50 cents a month or something for your for your content if you can't survive on people liking your content that much if they would only ever read it for free maybe it's not worth it another example would be you know, maybe you do a Patreon or maybe, you know, you know, there's plenty of ways to people to make money not on that. Or maybe you change your advertising model. You do something like, you know, native advertising, you know, native advertisement. So, you know, I, I feel like those are more effective and I'm more likely to read them and they can't really be blocked. So like at once a week, you have a sponsored post from an advertiser. You know, it's a post, but it's, you know, maybe an ad or maybe it's content, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent, like all of those arguments. You force them to be creative, you know? Yeah, all those arguments are great. And the, you know, fundamentally, the reason that 
ads keep happening is because they work. Um, and you know, I mean, there's so many different ways you could take it. Like, you know, you could look at the music model, like artists don't really make money off of music anymore, but there are a lot of artists, small artists who are doing better by, you know, doing tours or doing other ways of interacting. And it's, it's a very consumer mindset and it's very tough to say, uh, big media company, learn a better way because we're not going to buy it. But in some ways it's true. And that's, that's happened for over a hundred, like there are cases of authors who, you know, who didn't have copyright for their books, but, and didn't ever like earn a dime off of it, but were able to, to tour and read, do other gatherings, do other ways of contributing value. And it, Again, it's not a perfect answer all the time and it never will be. But if in if the aggregate of users, if if the people who come to your site say that they care about your content but don't care about the ads, there should be a more creative way to offer a value proposition to say, let's try this thing. It's $20 to get in, but it's an awesome new experience, whether that's in person or it's online or whatever the case may be. Like it's... It, it's a it's a tough ask. I I agree, um, and I I agree. I think your point's really really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, if display advertising is not working, or it's turning people off, or it's going to nefarious more. Again, I I say nefarious, malicious. Other people just say data tracking ways to do things. Then you know somewhere that answer has to be found. Yeah. What do you feel about things like Google AMP, which I think are attempting in some ways to do what you're saying, which is it's limiting ads, it's limiting ad tracking, and it's speeding up pages. So it's sort of getting rid of some of these issues. It causes new issues, but it's trying to get rid of some of these issues. AMP is a basically a, I think it's a superset of HTML. It's a way for content websites to format their content so when it jumps from google to that content it goes instead of to their page it goes to an amp page this amp page has you know it's it's mark it stands for accelerated mobile pages it has the special markup on it and um i think google might even host it on a cdn on their cdn but it's, so it's your content uh but there's rules around it um, involving what ads can be on, you know, what ads can be on it, no obtrusive ads, what track, how many trackers and what trackers can be on it. So you get this fast, clean experience from Google, but it's from Google, the tracker. And of course they allow Google ads. Yeah. So yeah, I, I misspoke a little bit, but closer to that, where it's, it's taking data and it's, I mean, that that's tough, especially a Google is no longer the company that is do no evil. <laughs> They're the company who is... Oh, they, they officially got Yeah, they're the company who is all in on data. Uh, and I mean, they always have been, but is now going to scrape other websites' data and kind of pose that this is going to be a better ad buying split to creatives and authors, but yeah, that's tough. Yeah. 
so Amazon's tracking is obviously pervasive, but they do some good things, right? Amazon, when you're buying from Amazon, they do a lot of obfuscation around what you're actually buying. If you're buying something directly from Amazon or you're buying from a third party that is fulfilled through Amazon or just a straight up third party. But they do have, they have, in my opinion, pretty great privacy things with those third party sellers because you never get a spam email from them. Yeah, so you you they really only know just enough to fulfill the order and not a tracking beacon to like target back or any sort of like empty and em, sorry empty uh, shopping cart pingbacks or anything like that. Yeah, and then Amazon's take is probably something like yeah, but you get to come to our store and you got more visibility because you're on Amazon, so. You'd right, but in that, off. but also Amazon is taking a lot of data from you everywhere else. Yeah. You know, they they have no qualms about that. You know, it's the I really just wish Amazon was better at it. Like, I don't want to give them my data if they're just going to be really bad with it. Which is like, oh, you just bought a grill. Do you want thirty more grills? Yeah. So, and here's the like, Amazon has never, to me, hasn't like crossed that line or betrayed anything because, again, like if if you do it well and if the experience is good you can take that data and again probably amazon has way more data than i probably realize but they can take it and when i go to the store like i see better things um and i don't know like you know if, if it creates a better experience and it creates closer things where even like things are queued up better like even on uh you know like an echo or something like that if you like you know if you tell it to play a playlist and it knows you already like that playlist and it's pre-cached in a better way. It's like, that's a better experience, you know, or something of that ilk. Right. There's that whole, there's a very fine line with uh, along. I need information, especially in this world, this upcoming world of AI and machine learning, right? I, I need a lot of input of data in order to serve you a better experience, a like tailored experience. And especially with these big companies, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm buying vitamins, I don't need a tailored experience, I don't think. But if I'm shopping on a, you know, on an Xbox game store, maybe I do want a tailored experience to like, you know what games I've bought before, you should, you know, and you have data from all your other millions of people that can say people who bought these games also bought these games. So that is, yeah, that's an invasion of privacy. But it's kind of the trade you get but i would all, almost be okay i want if there was if there was i don't know if there was a button that said don't take any of my data and don't give me any suggestions i think i would probably hit it most of the time yeah i agree me too right. like even even with like netflix yeah so i mean that's the case is like if you've ever been on somebody else's netflix profile or they've been on yours and you're like why am i getting all this stuff now all of a sudden it's like that's that's personalization and it it works for that it works for amazon it's like you know you don't want to like log on to your amazon account and then all of a sudden you see like i don't know like colorful markers or something that you've never once looked at or cared about it's like why do i you know yeah for me it's just every flavor of lacroix <laughs> the whole page of lacroix when i get on instagram and it's it's a huge trade-off because Am or instagram is tapped into all of Facebook's social graph stuff, even though I don't really go on Facebook anymore. Like I know it knows a whole lot about me, but when I go to Instagram, like 
I kind of like the ads. Like the ads are generally good. They're creative. They look like they're in my feed. Right. They feel more like native content. Like I yeah, was yeah, yeah. saying before, I think if you, if, you know, if these people are moving to that, you know, again, we don't know what data these people are getting back. They might get your entire Facebook profile. Who knows? But I think because there has been, we're doing this show because there's in beyond GDPR, there's been uproar about Facebook privacy and other things within the last few months. Mm -hmm. um, I personally, there's this um, plugin that you can get for Chrome at least that basically allows you to delete anything on Facebook. It's basically like a little macro that runs. You have to actually go to your Facebook profile in um, in your browser and then run this plugin and then it will like delete whatever you want. Of Facebook, right? so data? Like, like from your Facebook knowledge graph? Yeah, yeah, because from like your wall and from your likes okay, and yeah. stuff like that. So I did that. So I went through, deleted all my posts. So I have a Facebook profile. I almost never go on mm -hmm. it, but it just has my avatar, my name, pretty much nothing yeah. else. And I lock my wall and I lock everything else. So no one, can, nothing can be done on it. So I just have it just in case I want to log into something like Instagram or I have some, God forbid, any weird like login with Facebook things I have from forever. Yeah, there were there were quite a few websites I just never got on because the only way you could do it was through Facebook. And I was like, no, nope, that's a non-starter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad that that trend is over and everyone's back to just having their own accounts. I'm like, that is fine. We all have one password. This episode not brought to you by one password, but, but that would be awesome. Uh, yeah. So we all have one password now, or hopefully, if you're doing privacy right, you you have one password, last password, yeah, right? yeah. the myriad of those, and it's it's as easy as once you get it set up, it's as easy as logging with Facebook. It has your password in it. You just click fill. Yeah. Or even Apple's keychain does a surprisingly good job nowadays of giving you right. uh, complicated passwords and keeping it all in its keychain, which works really well in the Apple ecosystem. And then Google Chrome autofill doesn't do that, but it autofills passwords, obviously, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you brought up Apple. Apple is the one who is like, we are the privacy company who objectively had the worst data breach of almost all time with their iCloud leak. Oh, that leak was, I don't know if I'd call it a data breach. I call that, so I think that's social engineering. Right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, that's not, I mean, they, and they address that. They put harder security yeah, measures yeah. around. But they, they've done a much better job of, A, now that's like their bread and butter. That's what they want to be known as. And, uh, assuming they're telling the truth and i mean i you know i believe they are um that like a lot of stuff happens on the device and doesn't ever get transferred to a cloud or like there's they keep calling a secure enclave which is just a part of your memory that's you know portioned off uh that you know is handling anything that's more pers like anything that is more personally identifiable um, in a more secure way and it doesn't get sent to third parties. And this is, a, this is a company that used to have their own ad unit. They used to have Apple ads basically I, to thwart, yeah, basically to thwart, uh, um, AdSense. Right. That didn't, that didn't really work out, but they had privacy even built into that. And maybe that's why that, that, that didn't work out. Yeah. They tried to do like a more obscure, um, yeah, like a more confidential, but aggregated data reach.
Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I think they're they will they and they keep presenting it as a big tenant of their things. Tim Cook obviously around the what's that FBI? There's a killer. The San Bernardino. And they're yeah San Bernardino guy. And Where they refused to let has, the FBI into his phone. Like they said they could build the back door into it, but at that point it would essentially be irreversible and letting it happen once opens the gate. So they just have to say right now it's impossible. We could build it, but once we build it, that opens the floodgate for everything. So we're going to take a stand and say, no data, even in a bad situation, data deserves to be respected and not so much in a way that like, obviously anything they could do to help catch a mass killer in that instance would be a very good thing but at the cost of hundreds of millions of innocent people being able to have their data, you know, backdoored by the FBI at, at all times, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Not to mention iMessage being fully end to end encrypted. Um, so there's a lot of things that are, I will say I do. The only thing I really run into that I find that, day to day i'm like oh i I care about privacy and encryption is sometimes when i message and i say stuff and i and it's i know it's not being encrypted right i'm not using iMessage or signal or whatever i'm using slack or android messages or whatever i'm like oh should i say this thing yeah sure not that it's necessarily illegal or um, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, just the bad. fact that it's, it's personal, just like, like yeah. any, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the only one. And I wish, you know, Google had a version of that. You know, we all say this all the time: is we wish Google had iMessage, right, or their version of mm-hmm. iMessage. And RCS, while cool, very cool in many ways, and better than iMessage in some ways, is not one not available, and two. That's probably the thing that is lacking the most is it does not have true encryption. encryption. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. This this big story thing that I think is awesome. I've been waiting this entire episode. (laughs) So about a week ago, right before or right after we decided to do privacy, uh, I went to an event uh, with Rachel that is an intellectual property meeting because they were talking about the future of AI uh, blockchain, um, all sorts of stuff. It was a really cool event. Uh, I've met some of the people before, uh, a lot of people in the law community. Um, they had basically a panel discussion and they had, uh, like I said, there were a couple people that were talking about AI, the future of AI and, um, automotive driving and the legal implications that come from all that stuff. Uh, somebody who is, basically a blockchain advisor and is a has uh is a lawyer um who <laughs> it's really funny lawyers have no idea what the blockchain is like literally at all like it, it's it's n- even the blockchain well, lawyer he's, he did but like i'm sitting there reading like i'm no expert but you know like I, I can talk about this stuff like blockchain it's it's bigger uses stuff like that like they're literally like it's so obscure. Like it, it's both dumbed down and missed the point entirely in like these, these, um, uh, 
uh, PowerPoint slides I feel and like, stuff. Yeah, I feel like blockchain is one of those things that became mainstream. That is really one of those things that like you have to have a lot of back knowledge around technology to really understand how it works. It's like if somehow Node.js just became like the you know there were legal implications right. around Node.js, right? And you know a lot of people, a lot of lawyers start saying Node.js doesn't mean they <laughs> yeah. know what they're talking about because it requires just so much back knowledge like the, the equivalent that it took him to become a lawyer was the equivalent life experience it took me to understand all the things that go on in node.js yeah and you and me have been developers for at least 10 years in some capacity exactly yeah so right all, yeah all of that um it was just so like power again lawyers and who are not design focused giving powerpoints about what is blockchain <laughs> All sorts of stuff. Trying to trying to ex, uh, explain like hashes and ledgers and all this stuff and like. Let me talk to you about the Satoshi Satoshi <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's completely public facing in some degree. So now there's also like private stuff and how does a big company like how does an enterprise company use the fundamentals of blockchain in a private way and all this stuff. And then there was another uh, there was an in-house lawyer for a big um, a big tech company. Uh, I'll leave it at that, I guess. Although I don't know if it matters, but a huge tech company uh, and talked about things like the future of AI, the legal implications of a huge tech company encompassing all this stuff. And they opened up to a big discussion to the audience and all this stuff. And I wanted to ask a few questions just about like, what's the biggest hurdle that these companies are facing, like in legislation, they talked about GDPR a lot and, um, what I ended up kind of personally taking away from this and the government backside of things is that like the government gets involved in, I don't like, I actually think that in some ways government intervention can be a good thing or government guiding or oversight. You know, I mean, I don't necessarily consider it intervention, but you know, more or less the government gets involved when it has to. And when it has to, lawyers creatives tech people all nobody really gets what they want out of it because this third party but if you try sometimes you just might yeah uh but anyway so they started opening up to a bunch of questions and they were asking just you know different stuff about like challenges and whatever and then this this older gentleman who's at least in his late 60s if not older uh clearly like a very established like he just looks like somebody who's been a lawyer for a long time and is probably very wealthy and whatever talks and his question goes something like this he very old like leaning back in his chair goes so my daughter recently had a baby in the last month and i don't use i yeah i don't use tech like i'm not on facebook i didn't post anything i've never posted a picture of any of them me and my wife have separate amazon prime accounts so all that stuff's separated uh and I started getting emails for baby stuff and it's kind of left. It was like, so your question is like, well, what's, what's wrong with it? Like, that's, that's really creepy. And then the entire panel, including this person, this in-house lawyer from a giant tech company, uh, is basically saying like, yeah, Amazon's that's super creepy. And it's like, we have, you know, voice assistants and stuff and I don't really trust them. And I know that stuff is happening and, you know these phones are are spying on us and all this stuff and saying all this stuff is just bashing stuff and at that point like 
I'm not a lawyer. I'm in a room full of lawyers. <laughs> I'm also not afraid to like poke the bear a little bit and call people out for just kind of being stupid and saying stuff that doesn't make any sense. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I can tell you at least two or three different reasons right now why Amazon or anybody else was able to connect the dots. A, it doesn't matter that you're not using it. If you have a Facebook account, it knows who your family is, whether you've listed them or not. So if your daughter or anybody else related to any of your friends is posting pictures, it can connect those dots. Also, I think people also (laughs) forget what they search sometimes. So what if he was looking for like baby shower? Yeah, totally. Exactly. Like search data, that's all tied to pixel and everything else. Also, like Amazon can connect the dots between your address. Like it knows it like we already know it is doing data to collect who's in a household. So it knows if two people, even on separate accounts, are sending things to the same house, it knows that they're involved. So even if, you know, your wife is searching for things or whatever, like there are plenty of ways that data is connecting the dots and you agree to everything. So I asked the question and I basically kind of what I already phrased here. I was just like, with all that said, with terms of service, with GDPR, with everything going on, is there not, do lawyers or tech companies have more of a responsibility to have a consumer efficacy, to have a consumer focused interest, to show them what they're doing? Like, is there a responsibility there? And at that point, basically, both people on like the person who is at this tech company, the AI driver, lawyer, consultant person, and this old guy, basically all just like at the same time, just gave the most like, come on, like we see those things like we don't even read those things. And I was like, yeah, that's the problem. Like even you guys don't read them. What responsibility is there for a consumer or anyone who doesn't understand this stuff better to have a better perspective of what's going on? Like you just spent an hour and a half talking about uh, trust and transparency and how important that is in the legal in the legal world. And the first time there's a question about consumer rights or consumer advocacy, you kind of shrug your shoulders and just say. Who cares? We, the like, we're not even worried about that stuff. Like the stuff, you know, if consumers read, like, if it's in there and they agree to it, then we absolve all liability. And I'm like, that's such a problem. Like, you just complained for ten minutes and bashed a competitor, and yet the question is about terms of service, and you don't even care. Like, like that bugs me. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I think it comes back to it's the economics of it. These lawyers are paid by big companies to advocate for big companies, not for the consumer. And until the consumer is like, we don't want this and it's going to materially affect, you know, what we do like DuckDuckGo, even though it's the privacy focused search engine, isn't taking significant um, market share away from Google. And maybe there are reasons that if you don't get, all that information, your search can't be as good. Like example is like, um, actually Elon Musk made this example because they were talking about AI. They just had their sort of AI explanation. They had their AI engineers get up Mm -hmm. and stuff. And they talked about how kind of Tesla is kind of like Google. And that's why Tesla will win the autonomous driving race because they already have all these people doing things. Mm -hmm. 
You know, they all all they have this giant fleet. They have millions of cars on the road. Yeah, legit with this hardware that is that are you know this is privacy, right? There's recording, and this is getting sent to Tesla of me driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I kind of am okay with that because you know what? Every month I get a great update that makes my car better. They even said, look, so they and, so and it creates a better experience. Better. And at a point, yeah. that's okay. And you cannot, you actually can opt out. There is an opt out. Okay. Button. Yeah. Um, they are, and they actually they do a pretty good job because when you enable autopilot, it will tell you all this. It's like enabling autopilot will send this data back to Tesla anonymously, anonymized. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we know, a lot of times you can trace anonymous data back. Um, but yeah, that's sending my location. That's sending all probably all eight cameras, video data, yeah, all yeah. this stuff it's sending how i'm driving like people uh, we'll get to this in a minute with insurance and stuff but um but they use this data so he talked about this is probably better served for the episode on autonomous driving but i'll just use this example right now they said they used um instead of like people training the model to detect cut-ins like cut-ins are when the car from one of the other lanes mm-hmm. goes in front of you right this car my car when i originally got it was extremely bad at that i think it was only it wasn't using any machine learning model i think it was only using the like radar to see like if there's an obstacle in front of you right. slow down um recently they basically said of all the fleet that we have all this data of anytime a car goes from uh, adjacent lane to your lane record that data and send it to us and then they, they all they have these millions of pieces of data and they ran a model on it and now they have this model where that can detect cut-ins and they push it to the cars and it is yeah. amazing it works so much better it's like almost kind of scarily predictive of cars cutting in. like a car i wouldn't even think would be cutting in the car will slow right. down more and it gets very little false positives as well which is great and that's a that's a good example of if the trade-off is worth it and if the experience is worth it yeah take you know, use that data. Like I'm okay with something, you know, recording me in certain aspects if it creates a better experience and if it creates a better experience for everybody else. Right. But sometimes I'll just give this devil's advocate example is you can't make those leaps and show people that until you have a sort of critical mass of data as well. So like you kind of have to make the promise, like I'm going to use all your data, but maybe in five years I might have something for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of examples and obviously, you know, the end result is that all of this is very complicated. Uh, At the end of the day, like, if I get into a Tesla car and it says, hey, we want to use this data for these reasons, we'll do it in these ways, or if you choose, we could do it in these ways, I'm generally okay with that. But it's just like, if you're honest and upfront about what the data is used for, I'm okay with that. If you're using it and it's going to third parties and at that point I have no idea what it's being used for and then I get a mailbox, like a physical mailbox full of spam and I have, you know, my email is has a billion spam records in it. <laughs> you know, it's like at that point, it's like, yeah. I wish I had better control of my data. Well, that's the thing I'm more concerned about is I'm more or less okay, even with the, the laws coming up, but even how it kind of is now, I'm more or less okay with these companies having the data i like i make this bargain i don't not forget don't, not think about privacy when i sign up for things but i more or less make this bargain i want to use your thing i understand that you're using my data it's an exchange 
Right. Even if I'm paying for it, I know you're using my data. Part of the bargain mm-hmm. is that you use my data. Unless you specifically say you're not. Um, my problem is all these data leaks and all these hacks. So this company that might be fine with my data and not trade it and not do anything weird with it. Because I think they're, the company is incented in a way not to um, do at least not do anything publicly or not do anything that could be seen at, at some point seen publicly mm-hmm. that you know that is done with data you know that is done with the consumer data right because then you're you're like the not once it gets out right there's hardly a lot there's not a lot of like privacy pluses to your company being private but there's a lot of privacy downsides if your company messes it up it's a big responsibility for the tech company I, again like there's kind of a, a lawyer bent to a lot of this, but to lawyers, you know, they're, and they are, it is, it is tough I, not to really just give lawyers a pass, but I understand why it is tough to be critical and defend liability to, to write, you know, to write laws and write contracts and stuff to squeeze people into the very boxes that creative types and developers are trying to expand on (laughs) like there is a push pull and i understand where that is tough right but yeah if this data gets leaked you know you can go to have i been pawn.com and see all the lists of all the data you know all the data leaks you've been on and that's you know you're getting more spam they're you know, and there's, you know, it's worse sometimes that the passwords are broken or easily crackable, and then they can actually get into your account and look at your actual data um, beyond, you know, beyond whatever lists of like unencrypted data about me that they have, which probably includes name, address, email address, um, marriage status, who, whatever else. You can also send your passwords and all your credit card information to focusstateshow at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll do the same for you guys. We'll tell you yeah. if it's good or not. Yeah, you know what? I'll do a privacy <laughs> check. If you send your last four of your social security number and then in a separate email, send your first six of your social security number, I'll do a credit check. There's a reason the guy from LifeLock or Life Alert or whatever that was who put his social security number on the truck actually got his identity stolen multiple times. 